Why are the concepts of innovative design thinking and science communication important for nurses to embrace and leverage in the 21st century? Let's talk all about it with Marion Leary, Director of Innovation at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, right here on episode 288 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. In these days of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're disseminating as much high-quality, evidence-based information and expert opinion as possible in our special bonus COVID-19 episodes. Meanwhile, we still want to support you in your nursing career and personal development and discuss all sorts of issues that you care about. And I love having you along for this ride whether you're new to the show or you've been on this journey with me for months or years. And I thank you for being part of the Nurse Keith Nation. This podcast is always about you, your nursing career, the healthcare universe. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring leaders from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, education, technology, and beyond. And remember that Nurse Keith Coaching is your one-stop shop for anything related to your career development. Make sure you head to nursekeith.com. Let me know you heard the show and you can get 10% off your first coaching package. The show notes for this episode will be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 288. And today we're joined by friend of the pod, Marion Leary. She's the Director of Innovation at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing in Philadelphia, my old hometown from the early 1980s. And Marion, I really appreciate you being here. And we're going to talk about your career in in due course. And first, I just want to ask you, what does it mean to be a leader in innovation and nursing these days? Well, first, I just want to thank you for having me on your show. I'm My really pleasure. honored to be here and talk about these important topics. You know, leadership in innovation and nursing means different things to different people. I can tell you how we sort of define innovation at Penn Nursing and how I see leading in this space. And it really starts with the foundation of education. So how are we educating our students, our faculty and staff around the topics of health and healthcare innovation and what that means in nursing and what that means just in general in those domains as well? Um, It also in the leadership framework means how are we collaborating with colleagues outside of nursing? Just like healthcare innovation does not happen in a silo. And so how are we thinking about health and healthcare innovation through the lens of nursing, but also in partnership with engineers and designers and um, those in business and other health science disciplines who bring different, diverse, unique perspectives and backgrounds to the problems we see every day. That also means including patients, families, community members, and other stakeholders as well, and bringing those individuals to the table and really allowing them to speak about their issues and problems that they would like us to help solve. Um, So that's, you know, how I see it just more broadly. And finally, I think the other way that leadership in innovation Um, comes to the forefront is really being able to amplify the profession of nursing as leaders in health and healthcare innovation, really putting out there to the general public and to other disciplines that nurses are essential to innovation and um, we are there at the table leading in this area. Right. And and you say being at the table and, you know, there's that cliche, which is so meaningful really is that if you're not at the table, you're on the menu and nurses have often ended up on the menu because they're not actually driving the formation of, of the innovations that are happening. And they're not really having a hand in it if they don't say they want to be there. Right. And sometimes even push themselves into the conversation. So in, in education at the U of UPenn school of nursing in Philly, how do you teach nursing students about innovative thinking? And I know we teach critical thinking. That's been around a long time. But here in the 21st century, innovation and STEM are so important, right? So 
how do you instill that in your students? And why is that something that schools need to really take ownership of? Well, and I think you just mentioned it, right? We need to not only have a seat at the table, we need to be building the seat and building the table. And so the foundation of that, again, is education. We need to be educating the future leaders of nursing and nursing innovation from the very beginning about these different topics. Yes, we need nurses who are clinically proficient, but we also need to educate nurses to be thinking differently about problems, to be thinking about the innovative solutions and how to be leaders in these areas. And so the way that we've started to do that um, is at Penn Nursing, we have a course called Innovation in Health, Foundations of Design Thinking which is housed out of the School of Nursing, but is open to any students across the university. And it is a flipped classroom, active learning environment where students learn about the process of the human-centered approach of design thinking. And so throughout this uh, 14-week course, students identify a health or healthcare problem, and then they work through the five stages of design thinking to create an actual solution to the problem. And then they create a prototype, they test the prototype, and they create a pitch and pitch deck about their innovation. Wow. That's, I know at Ohio State, my friend Tim Raderstorff, who I'm sure you know, yes, they have an innovation lab there that isn't used by just health sciences students and faculty, but by all sorts of people. I don't know what they're doing in terms of the curriculum at at his school at Ohio State, but is what you're doing at UPenn extremely rare in nursing education? Because I I don't hear about this kind of stuff from other schools and people's experience of other schools. It is. It is. It is extremely rare, but I am hopeful that that is starting to change. I feel like even from when I started a couple years ago that. Um, innovation in nursing education is becoming a topic of great interest to people and that schools, students, faculty, clinicians are starting to understand the importance of educating our students and then obviously educating those nurses to think about how they can answer these problems in a different way. And I think the pandemic has really highlighted the need for innovative, quick, rapid creation of solutions to problems in ways that we had in the past thought were not possible. And now because we've had to do it so rapidly in the clinical setting, come up with a variety of solutions to these problems we're seeing um, with you know, lack of ventilators and lack of PPE and, and um, you know, issues around proning and a variety of other things innovations had to quickly be created. And lo and behold, we were able as, you know, health systems Mm -hmm. to quickly implement them. So I think, you know, for all the bad that the coronavirus has brought, um, there has been a lot of awakening to the fact that innovation is able to be successfully implemented in healthcare settings Mm -hmm. and nurses are leading those innovations. And, you know, that goes back to needing to then educate our future nurses in, in this methodology. Wow. Good point. Excellent points all. And yeah, I mean, the coronavirus COVID-19 is, has thrown a wrench into everything, right? We can't think probably of a part of our lives or societies that it hasn't touched. And so it's touched education. Obviously, it's touched healthcare and patient care and how we approach, how we even think about disease and the treatment of disease and let alone the science. You know, my, my brother is head of COVID-19 research at the Vice Institute at Harvard and they're working day and night right? So, so there's a lot going on out there. But in your world, as an educator, I know you have a PhD in nursing innovation and a master's in public health and a master's of science in nursing, correct? So I am currently in the PhD program. So oh, I don't in I, the PhD. I wish I had, I really wish oh. I had the PhD done, but I, not yet. 
okay, well, I, I just gave you an honorary uh-huh. um, PhD. I now when I, when I look at your, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile and now I see it says PhD nursing innovation 2018 to 2023. So I just, we just jettisoned a little forward in time. So I hope you don't mind. <laughs> no, and actually, um, you know, time is all relative during this COVID pandemic anyway. So it could true. be 2023 and uh, you could convince me of that. Good point. That's a good point. So all of these things you mentioned are so important. And I want to circle back to what you started with in that amazing answer that I'm going to have to listen to a bunch of times to kind of get my head around everything you just mentioned. But you mentioned design thinking and innovative innovative design thinking. So I have a notion of what design thinking is. And I was an art student in Philadelphia back in the early 80s. So I do think that way even though I dropped out of two art schools. Um, just saying. I did. So, I dropped out of one art school. So I'm right one? there with you. Which one? Art Institute of Philadelphia. Oh, that was around the corner. I dropped out of the Philadelphia College of Art, which is now the University of the Arts, of course. Yep. And I also dropped out of the um, Pennsylvania Academy of the Fine Arts, which was right around the corner from the Art Institute. I know it well. Yeah. So good. So we're both art school dropouts. But yep. it sounds like we both like to think about design and we like to think about how things look and work. So um, as to art school dropouts who found nursing, tell me about design thinking and what nurses can do with that. And this is beyond critical thinking. This is a whole nother concept. Yeah. So design thinking is really one methodology that's under the umbrella of what's called human-centered design. Um, And so design thinking is a five-step process that includes empathy, define, ideate, prototype, and test. And it really looks at a problem from the point of view of the people who are experiencing the problem. So we as providers, researchers, designers, engineers, we're not going out into a community or clinical setting and telling these patients or community members or stakeholders, what it is that we think they need. Mm -hmm. We're allowing them to show us and tell us what it is that they know they need. And then we're working in collaboration with them throughout the entire process to define the problem correctly from their point of view, to brainstorm with them solutions to the problem, and then to prototype and test the solution that we all came up with together. That really is the foundation of a human-centered approach is to be able to work through, co-collaborate with the people the problem affects. Whoa, so can we back up a second? Um, I was trying to type the five steps and I got prototype and tests, which are the fourth and fifth. So the first one is? Empathy. Empathy. The second one is? Define. Define. And the third? Ideate. Ideate. And then we have prototype and test. Yes. Do you know what this reminds me of in, a, in an interesting obtuse way? Is when I did uh, international development work in Jamaica, and my niece does a lot of international development work in Haiti and the Congo, and she's been in Southern Sudan, that when you go into, and I'll get back to my point really quickly, but when you go into another country or society or culture, you don't come in as a privileged, maybe uh, white American and say, this is how we're going to fix your problem. You go in and you empathetically listen, and then you find what they want, and you work together to come up with a solution. So it reminds me of the way that many NGOs try to approach international work. So it's, it's interesting to me. It's very similar to community-based participatory research and other ethnographic methodologies out there, um, which I really appreciate. You know, with my public health background as well, I really understand and see the value of needing to do that and not just going out into somebody's community home and trying to tell them what I think they need when I do not experience their life in the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you actually teach this process to nursing students. Yes. So we teach this process to nursing students, but again, other students as well. We've had design students, Wharton business students, 
medical students, veterinary medical students, uh, graduate education students. It really runs the gamut of the disciplines at the University of Pennsylvania, and it makes for a nice interdisciplinary course. Wow. So here's a question for you, Marianne. So you're a professor of nursing, right? And you work at and teach and lead at a very prestigious school that many people look to as a model, or I do at least. And it's not just because you're in Philadelphia. So here's my question. When I've had conversations and overheard and kind of just you know, eavesdropped on various conversations online and people I've spoken with over the years about changing the nature of nursing education and covering things that maybe aren't on the NCLEX per se, right? Oftentimes what I hear, and I guess this isn't news to you, I bet, is this question of, well, we only have so much funding and we only have so much time. We have to stick with the basics because we have to teach to the test. And I know in a master's program, you're not teaching to the test, so it's a little different. But do schools still think that way? And how do we get them to think somewhat out of the box when it comes to nursing education? So I will say my main role is not education. I really am in a very separate area of innovation. And so whether schools still think that way from a administrative standpoint, I can't really say. What I can say is that personally, I am vehemently opposed to standardized testing and teaching to a test. And I am confident that nursing programs, nursing students, and other colleagues of mine are beginning to understand that we need to think differently about the way that we're educating our students. And the students are asking for more innovative ways to be educated. We're really starting to understand that, again, yes, nurses, the vast majority of them will be clinicians, but there are a number of nurses who want that degree and will not be at the bedside or in a um, medical office or practicing in a clinical way. And so we also need to be preparing those students as well for leadership roles, for innovation roles, for technology and entrepreneurial roles. And so, yes, I think that is starting, that mindset is starting to shift from my perspective. So Marion, we've talked about education, we've talked about nursing innovation, design thinking, and what innovation leadership means, and those five stages of design thinking, which you said is a human-centered process, which involves empathy, defining, ideating, prototyping, and then testing. So when we come back from the break, what I would like to dig into next is this notion of science communication and how we nurses can be involved in that, like you and I are right now. And then some events you have coming up sponsored by UPenn and some other organizations I want to touch on, one of which you're on the board of, and just some other questions about STEM and the ways that you got into nursing innovation yourself. So we'll be right back for the second half of episode 288 of The Nurse Keith Show. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and 
sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to episode 288. Yes, this is the Nurse Keith Show. I am here with friend of the pod, Marion Leary. And she is the Director of Innovation at the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. And as the Director of Innovation, Marion, your bio says you work to amplify and educate nurses as leaders in health and healthcare innovation. So let's start from the thing I said we were going to do last, which is how did you get into innovation? What was the the on-ramp for you into that world? Sure. So prior to my role as director of innovation at Penn Nursing, I was a resuscitation science researcher at an entity called the Center for Resuscitation Science at Penn. And my work really looked at how to integrate technologies such as virtual and augmented reality into the work that I was doing around bystander CPR and also CPR training and education. And because of my work looking at those technologies, I really started to think about how we could innovatively change the way we were educating our lay responders. And that led me down many paths, um, including, like I mentioned, using different technologies, thinking about science communication, thinking about social media platforms, and other mediums to get information out to different populations of the public, different populations of healthcare providers who we are trying to educate around these topics. I see. Okay. So in that world of resuscitation, which you and I both know has changed a lot, even since, gosh, since the beginning of this century, right? The last 20 years, things have changed. Definitely. Yeah. All sorts of things have changed. So that led you into this world of innovation and and science and looking at healthcare and patient care delivery and education of nursing students in different ways. So now let's talk about science communication. So my show isn't a science show per se, but I talk about COVID. I talk with different innovators and experts in various areas, and I'm trying to branch my show out into more areas that would be interesting to my audience. So what does it mean to be a science-related communicator? And what do you see as your role professionally and personally in that particular milieu? Yeah, I mean, I think for any science-focused profession, and nursing is definitely included in that, nursing is a science, um, I think it's our responsibility to be able to take the work that we do, especially in academia, and translate that information in a way that is able to be consumed by the general public in a way that makes sense. You know, there are a lot of things that we do in the academy that are not able to be accessed by the general public and that those are the people who need this information the most. And so I feel like as a science communicator, we have a big responsibility in pushing the work that we're doing outside of the ivory tower so that people can really understand whatever topic we're working on and what it means to them. And so I use a variety of means to do that. And the work that I do around that really helps to amplify the work that I'm doing as the director of innovation as well. I see. And podcasting is on your radar, isn't it? Yes. So I am. Tell me about that. Yes. I'm a big fan of, like I said, using a variety of different mediums, one of them being podcasting. And so, as a part of the work that I'm doing at Penn Nursing, we have a podcast called Amplify Nursing, where we interview nurses who are leading the way in science, innovation, policy, so that we can 
show the world really what it is nurses do, the breadth and depth and experience of a whole host of nurses from around the world. Do you feel like the podcast, are you trying to reach beyond nurses or is this really focused on reaching a nursing audience or those who would like to be nurses? I think it depends on a number of things. So yes, we want to reach nurses. And I would love for folks who are interested in learning more about nursing to listen, but it's also to show folks outside of nursing, again, really the range of how nurses are practicing and using their degrees every day. And it's really a great platform to get that message out quickly. So during the coronavirus, yes, we are a relatively new podcast, And we were able to use that platform to interview two epidemiologists who were able to talk to us about what the coronavirus meant, how the pandemic was moving along, and how people could keep themselves safe. And that was one of our most listened to episodes um, of all of you know of all time in the short time that we've been around. Wow! And you know we were able to push that information out because of the establishment already of that podcast platform. I see. Now, was that episode two with Allison Butenheim and Dr. Carolyn Canusho, or was that one of the other coronavirus podcast episodes? Because you've had several. Yes. So it was our first one with Dr. Buttenheim and Dr. Canusio. I see. So I'll put links to those in the show notes so people can see those. Yeah. And we had them on twice because their episode was so um, impactful. We wanted to bring them back and get a follow-up with them a couple weeks later. But that also led us to not only releasing our regular episodes, but um, for the last couple of months, we've been doing special episodes every other week around COVID topics. And then, of course, during um, the racial injustice that happened with George Floyd, mm-hmm. we also then started to put out, we put out an episode around racial inequity and health inequity as well. Yeah, I'm addressing similar issues in some bonus episodes these days. And it's, it's so important to do that because these are issues that are affecting all of us, right? So those don't necessarily involve, I mean, in terms of, in terms of coronavirus, of course, innovation actual nursing or scientific innovation is central. With social injustice, the innovation is a little different. We're not creating products or prototypes. We're actually creating, maybe you could say like prototypes of ways of thinking perhaps. Yeah, potentially. And for us, it was more to show that nurses really are making an impact and leading in all these different areas in social justice, in Mm -hmm. um, research, and in clinical care of communities in these, uh, experiencing these, these issues. And so we really wanted to use the podcast platform to be able to highlight the work that nurses were doing in all of these areas. I see. Okay. That makes, that makes so much sense to me. It's just, you're speaking my language. So let's talk about social media. Now, I often will hear from nurses, they'll say, I don't do social media. You know, and when they're working on their career development, I point them to LinkedIn saying, this is actually a search engine disguised as social media. And it's a great place to meet people and share information and connect and network and, you know, just sort of build community for yourself and for your colleagues. So what is your view of social media when it comes to innovation, especially in relation to science communication and maybe even design thinking what is how have you leveraged it or how do you see it being leveraged yeah i think it's crucial i tell okay. every nurse i speak with especially those interested in innovation that they absolutely have to be on social media my pre- preference is twitter but i understand the need for linkedin as well i um it is no secret I am not a fan of LinkedIn. Um, I gravitate much more toward Twitter. Um, and it is a great, social media is a great platform to 
promote yourself as a leader in your area, but also to make connections and collaborate with others around the globe. The work that I've done in innovation, I've been able to really amplify on those platforms and really you know, it has helped to establish me as a leader in those spaces. And it has helped me connect with other leaders in those spaces that I have since collaborated on projects with and really have become friends with many of them in a way that I never would have, you know, pre-social media times. That is so true. And I really have to say that for me, Twitter was kind of where it all started back in late 2011, I met a couple nurses who I thought were cool. We were just kind of watching each other on Twitter. And this was almost 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we all started having this little side conversation, which turned into phone calls, then Skype calls. And then we launched RNFM Radio, which was one of the first nursing podcasts on the internet. So we were among the first, I think, two or three nursing podcasts in existence. And we launched, launched in January 2012. and that led to friendships, speaking engagements. And I've met, honestly, met some of my closest colleagues and nurse friends on Twitter. Dr. Renee Thompson of the Healthy Workforce Institute, so many people. And I can't even, I can't even say I couldn't quantify the benefits I've received professionally and personally from social media. I, I don't think I could even put it into sufficient words. How do you feel about, about that impact on you personally? Oh, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said. You know, nurse Twitter, the nurse Twitter community is such a vibrant, smart, caring, supportive place. And I equally, I have so many friends now who, um, you know, if I needed anything, I could turn to and and i've some of them i've never met in real life exactly. it's really it's it's incredible and again i say this to nurses and nursing students it's it is a great platform to be on but it takes a lot of work you know a lot of the time i spend on social media curating new content you know it's not just being on social media it's being engaged and active and um building a persona on social media that lends you to wanting, <laughs> that lends others to want to follow and engage with you. Exactly. And so it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of thought and it takes a lot of work. I blend a lot of other different platforms and mediums together on Twitter um, to be able to create original, fun, creative content. And so, um, you know, I wrote a blog piece on Medium I don't know, maybe last year as sort of a Twitter primer for nurses. And so if people are interested in understanding exactly what I'm talking about, um, they can check that out. But, you know, I think these are things that you can just be on social media, but there are ways to do it as a professional and as a nurse to really help amplify you as an expert or a leader in your respective area. Wow. You're speaking my language and I look forward to us meeting in person someday because we have a lot to talk about. And I'm looking forward to coming to Philly to see old and new friends. So you're going you're gonna to have to be on that list, I'm afraid. <laughs> so, I, I can't wait. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you to send me a link to the Medium post. And if anyone listening doesn't understand, Medium is a pretty much an open platform where anyone can create a create an account and then post their original content. Right, Marion? Yep, exactly. Yeah, I actually post articles on LinkedIn, original articles. Medium is another place I'd like to explore. I just haven't had time and energy to do so, but I know it's a powerful place. So, okay. So social media has its place and we can put our energy into it. And, you know, I see you wrote a piece um, there's a pinned tweet at the top of your profile from two years ago, actually one year ago. And it says, yes, nurses are at the bedside, but we're also in the classroom and in the courtroom and the research lab and the military and the boardroom and in Congress. We are in all places and more. And that is so true. And 
you're, I, it sounds like you, like me, have sort of self-appointed as someone who's going to point out the things that people, that you believe people need to see or understand or, or take notice of. And is that, I know you said it's a lot of work and I agree. Is it an enjoyable process for you to be out there in the world like that? Yes, uh, it is enjoyable, but it is also a lot of responsibility. Um, one of the things I always tell students as well when they're thinking about social media is to have a buddy that you can bounce tweets off of or mm-hmm. social media posts before you put them out there. You know, I, it is fun, but I feel a responsibility to make sure that what I put out there um, is responsible. And so it is a lot of work. It is fun, but I also want to make sure that, you know, I'm doing it the right way. But I feel strongly that the world needs to understand what nursing is because there is a huge misconception still. And maybe that's changed since the COVID pandemic. Um, I'm not sure, I guess time will tell, but, um, the way that nurses are perceived needs just to be changed. And I hope to be one voice leading that change. Well, it, it sounds like, well, that doesn't sound like it's obvious that you are, and I'm glad you and I are now connected in this way too. So in terms of your, your world and your life, I know you're a member of the American Nurses Association's Innovation Advisory Committee. And you're a founding member of SOMCIEL, an organization that I've been tangentially related to. And that's the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders. And you're also a member of the American Heart Association's Emergency Cardiovascular Care Innovation Subcommittee, which seems directly related to the work you did in resuscitation science back years ago that you mentioned. Yes. Yep. Right? So... You were named Geek of the Year for your outstanding achievements in Philadelphia's vibrant geek community in the areas of innovation, technology, and activism in 2017. So congratulations. And they also named you an Influencer of Healthcare winner in the category of excellence and innovation in 2019. That was also the Philadelphia Inquirer. So you're, you have quite a profile in Philly and now moving into more national and international. So what what do you see next for you in your career? Is there something in your sights? Like you're podcasting, you're blogging, you're doing social media. Do you want to speak on stage, do a TED Talk? Do you have anything in your sights right now? I just want to finish my PhD. Oh, just that. <laughs> no, okay, well, not we'll, just that. We'll let you finish that first. Oh, I really we'll want to finish, finish that. But then, I mean, okay. with all seriousness, um, I'd like to increase my writing. You know, I would love to get my my voice out there in more national uh, more national publications. Good. Um not academically because I've published a lot research-wise, um but really more for again the general public, more in a science communication way. And so I think, you know, once I'm able to really focus on that after the PhD, that's one of my goals. And then, don't tell anyone. But okay. um, I'd really, this is, I between, really <laughs> this is between you and me, really, and and all your listeners. No one listens uh, to this show, honestly. You know, I I recently have been um, thinking about how to get more involved in political office. I know there's a been a big push for that lately to get nurses at leadership levels absolutely, um, in running for office. So I am a huge fan of the city I live in and to be able to serve in some way and represent the profession, I think uh, would really be, really be a highlight of the work that I've done. Well, great. Well, uh, I would like to see you in Congress. So, cause we don't have many nurses in Congress right now. So I'll be pushing you about that once your PhD is done. Um, but let's get you maybe, you know, mayor of Philadelphia first. So just we need to give <laughs> you a little platform. I don't, I don't envy that job. <laughs> no, I don't envy that job either. So great. Yeah, I think getting nurses, I've talked about this, getting nurses into public office, whether it's the school board locally in your town or city or the city council yep. or running for mayor or 
governor or Congress or state legislature, the more nurses we have in public service like that, in those types of roles, the more the nursing zeitgeist and the nursing way of looking at the world becomes part of the wider society and culture. So, And, and I think this goes back to where we started, right? Yeah. Nursing education. Oh, we should yes. be preparing these students as leaders. And that means you know, not just in leadership in healthcare, but leadership in local, state, federal positions as well. And I really feel like our nursing educational system, if it's going to change, needs to include things of that nature as well. That's right. And I would like to see personally, and I know we're not getting too deep into education here because neither of us are traditional educators, but I would like to see more master's degrees perhaps that lead nurses into areas of let's say law or jurisprudence or something along those lines. I'd like to see a little broadening of what people can do in a master's program. Just that's just my own idea. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. These like dual MSN programs with you know I have a dual MSN MPH, but that's some, right. a dual MSN and law I think would be incredible or yeah. an MSN and MBA. Like if we want to start advancing leaders from the nursing profession, we need to think about how we can get them the education to do that. That's right. And there are several dual programs like that. So yes. they do exist. My friend, Lori Brown is a nurse attorney. So that does exist out there. I just think we need to broaden the scope of nursing education because not all nurses, like you said, are clinicians or even want to be clinicians. So there, there you have it. So before we close, I just want to talk about some events you've had and will have from UPenn and also through SONCL and some of their their collaborations. So first you have the hackathon, which happened this year in 2020, or was it late 2019? So the Sunsteel Microsoft Johnson Johnson hackathon actually happened this year and it was in response to the COVID pandemic. Right. And so it was okay. the Nurse Hack for Health COVID-19 virtual hackathon where we brought over 400 nurses from around the world together, along with programmers, engineers, physicians, entrepreneurs, and other leaders to create solutions to the problems our clinician colleagues were seeing at the bedside during this pandemic. And so it was a regular three-day hackathon that took place on the Microsoft Teams platform again, in collaboration with Johnson & Johnson and Microsoft. That's right. And Rebecca Love, who's the head of SONCL, was intrinsically involved in that, of course, and many other people as well. And I have some friends who are involved in the Johnson & Johnson's Nurse Fellowship Program, which is pretty innovative itself. So it is. That's, that's a wonderful program that's happening under J&J. So I know you've also had an innovation accelerator pitch event, and you said the next one is January 21st, 2021. So what does an innovation accelerator pitch event mean? Yeah, so part of the work I'm doing at Penn Nursing, again, trying to educate and support our faculty and students to develop their innovative ideas. We launched the first Penn Nursing Innovation Accelerator, which is a 10-month program where we provide the winners of our pitch event, which took place in January. We provide funding, mentorship, and education. And um, this year, we had three winners who received first, second, and third place prizes. And then the idea was for them to start the Innovation Accelerator in March and end in December. Because of the COVID-19 pandemic, we actually had to put the accelerator on hold um, due to a number of COVID-related issues. Right. And so um, we are doing it again 
this coming year in a virtual platform. And we are um, allowing our 2020 cohort winners to just roll into the 2021 cohort. So we will move along two cohorts um, this coming year, uh, providing again the same uh, funding, mentorship, and innovation and uh, education around um, prototyping, around intellectual property, around business plans, commercialization, et cetera. That's great. That sounds a little bit like the uh, National Nurses and Business Association Shark Tank competition that we have every year. I'm on the board of the NNBA with President Michelle Podlesny and many other nurse innovators and entrepreneurs. And we also provide mentorship and training and support to the winners of the Shark Tank that we have every year. And that sometimes that involves prototyping as well. So that's that's a wonderful thing. And I can't wait to hear more about it as January comes closer. So Marion, one thing I wanted to make sure we touched on was a free online curriculum that you all are offering about innovation. Can you just tell us what that is and how to find it? Sure. So in collaboration with the Rita and Alex Hillman Foundation, we created a free online open access platform that allows nurses to learn about the innovative process of design thinking. So we created original lecture videos, original podcast interviews, and original case study videos highlighting nurse innovators from around the country. And it really is a toolkit and a list of resources to help nurses who are either in the clinical setting, out in the community, or in the classroom really work their way through the design thinking process to be able to create that innovative solution they've been thinking about. And so we've integrated existing design thinking resources and activities into the curriculum so that there are always activities that you can use to move through each of those five phases of design thinking. And it's really laid out in an asynchronous fashion so that you can go back at any point um, and work through each of those phases. We tried to make it really clear and really comprehensive. Um, we list out things that you can read, things that you can watch, and things that you can listen to to learn about each of these phases. And then the things you can do, again, are those existing design thinking activities throughout each of the phases. That's awesome. I'm looking at it right now. I just signed up uh, for the mailing list and it is at designthinkingforhealth.org. And it's a it's a partnership between Penn Nursing and the Rita and Alex Hillman Foundation, right? Yes. And we, again, it is open to everybody. We encourage teachers, universities to take parts of the curriculum and insert it into a class or use the whole entire platform and create a new course around it. We really do want people to be using this platform to be able to educate their new nurses and their existing nurses and nursing students around nursing innovation and design thinking. And now finally, you have a nursing story slam. You've had several and there's one coming up February something 2021. Yes. So um, we've been fortunate enough to host two story slams in the past. The first one was 2019. The second one was 2020. Uh, The first one was funded through the SACS Program for Arts Innovation. And the second one was funded uh, through the generosity of Sandy Sandberg, who's on our board of overseers at Penn Nursing, as well as additional funding from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. And we will be hosting our third one in February, date to be determined, but definitely taking place in February. And again, it's going to be switched to a virtual platform due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic. But we really feel strongly about highlighting the stories of nurses and preparing nurses as storytellers. Again, in the same um, realm as all the other work I've done around science communication, I feel it's really important to allow nurses to tell their stories so that people understand what it is nurses do every day. And so we work with an organization in Philadelphia called First Person Arts to um, train and work with our nurse storytellers on how to craft a story and then how to perform that story because it really is a storytelling performance. Yes, And so it's been a great 
um, collaboration and an incredible event. And people have really been um, drawn to the stories that our nurses tell because really who has better stories than nurses, right? That's so true. And now the theme of the 2019 um, Story Slam was... Uh, 2019, we kicked it off with a theme of innovation, which makes sense. And then 2020, the theme was courage. Courage. We're still deciding what our 2021 theme will be. I see. So stay tuned. Great. Can I recommend a a potential concept? You certainly can. In in the state of the world right now with Black Lives Matter and the coronavirus and societal upheaval and economic uncertainty, et cetera, resilience is something I'm thinking about a lot these days. Yes. The idea of resilience. I'm just planting that seed of resilience. So, I, I love that. One yeah. of the other thoughts um, that my colleague, Dr. Terry Richmond came up with was humanity, which Ooh, I really liked too. That's a really nice one too. Yeah. Well, Marion, you are you are fantastic, and I can't wait to meet in person someday. And thank you so much for for gracing the airwaves with this incredible conversation and your wisdom. Well, Nurse Keith, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this incredible episode of the Nurse Key Show. Thanks to Marion Leary of UPenn Nursing. And remember, the show notes are going to be at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode in the number 288. And remember, we will have links to everything we've talked about, the Amplify Nursing Podcast, the Innovation Accelerator Pitch Event, the Virtual Story Slam, the Nurse Hackathon, and Marion's blog post for Medium that I can't wait to read. I hope you do feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. Please reach out to me at nursekeith.com. Remember, you can get 10% off any career coaching if you need my assistance at any point in the near or distant future. Head over to nursekeith.com to the resources section where you can find jobs from Reload, Trusted Health, Incredible Health, ZipRecruiter, as well as excellent resume templates from my friend Amanda Garnier at the Resume Rx. The Nurse Keith Show is a member of ours. Longa Media, a collaborative network of podcasts, media entities, soon to come musical artists and others whose aim is to add a humanistic touch to professional education, educate the public from a scientifically informed perspective and improve lives by partnering to address social ills. Check it out at arslonga.media, that is A-R-S-L-O-N-G-A dot media. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And my new friend, Marion Leary of UPenn Nursing, bidding you adieu from... Bidding you adieu from Philadelphia. Philadelphia, my old hometown. Well, thank you, Marianne, and we will catch everyone on the flip side.